Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, as we continue our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. A couple of verses on marriage and divorce and remarriage, which are guaranteed to strike a nerve in any gathering. Most of us have been touched in some way by these uh, subjects. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Verse 31, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Under the Old Testament law, divorce was regulated <clears throat> by Moses. It's in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. I'll just read that to you. Because this is what Jesus means when he says, you've heard it said. Deuteronomy 24 says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies, who took her as his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Uh, by the way, just as an aside, those four verses are one long sentence in the original language. It's like, it's like reading law books, you know, where it just, they just keep going. Or <clears throat> some of you doing your own taxes. It's like reading the uh, tax circulars, you know. This applies only if these three things apply. Turn to page 75 and, you know, by the time you're done with the worksheet, you just want to give the government all your money. But uh, the word uncleanness in that Deuteronomy passage, if he finds some uncleanness in his wife, it doesn't signify adultery or any of the various uncleannesses that you uh, encounter in uh, Leviticus, different things that would make you ceremonially unclean, like touching, touching a dead body or coming into contact with certain things. Uh, because uh, adultery was punishable with death. And so what Moses was talking about is divorcing your wife for some other reason other than what was already clearly spelled out in the law. Uh, and I just got done reading in our devotional reading there, if a husband suspected his wife was committing adultery and didn't, couldn't prove it, there was a bizarre ritual that they went through involving the drinking of bitter water, which the, the woman had to say that she had to take an oath that she had not committed adultery, otherwise the bitter water would make her stomach swell and her thigh rot. And uh, I started to think, you know, I wonder if the whole... Jewish thing was a lot more supernatural than we realize. I mean, we, re we read that and we think, uh, we almost don't believe that that would happen. But God said, well, you know, this is what we're going to do. You don't know if your wife's committed adultery, but you suspect she has, so 
you know, take her to the priest, she'll drink this water, take an oath, and if she's lying, her stomach's going to swell up and her thigh is going to rot. And uh, I think it was more than just the threat that that might... I mean, you know, we're not dealing with... We see that as a superstition, but God said, this is what you do. And uh, so we don't have any record of rotting thighs uh, in, in the you know, text that I know of, but it's, it's an interesting thing. So, so those are some things that were already in the law. This is something... Uh, by the way, the bitter water thing is in Numbers 5, if you want to read that. This is something else. Uh, and this was not permission to divorce... It was to regulate divorce. Uh, you know, apparently the Jews had picked up the habits of the cultures around them and they also were giving in to the hardness of their heart and they were deciding that they wanted divorces and uh, to marry other women. Uh, so it's not permission to divorce. Uh, in Matthew 19, verse 8, Jesus will say, we'll read this in context in a minute, but he'll say, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it wasn't so. God intended marriage to last for your lifetime. The Jews preferred to follow, as I said, the customs of the surrounding culture and the hardness of their own hearts and made divorce somewhat commonplace, as it unfortunately is in our own culture. They were finding reasons other than adultery, and they called it some uncleanness. And so Moses instituted a law requiring the husband provide the wife he was divorcing with a certificate of divorce. And apparently what this means is that you had to go to court before the rulers, the, what we know as the Sanhedrin or the 70 rulers of Israel, and eventually before witnesses and state your case. And so Moses recognized that uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God, they were just divorcing their wives, just putting their wives out, say, you know, maybe even by declaration, just, hey, I divorce you, you know, you're, I declare you unclean and I divorce you. And, of course, that would be a terrible stigma on the wife. Uh, and, and it didn't really hold the husband accountable. And so Moses said, well, you know, you're going to have to at least provide a certificate of divorce. And to do that, you're going to have to go before the court and witnesses and state your case. And it made it a little bit harder to divorce and gave the husband some opportunity to think twice about his actions. Uh, if the divorce went through, it freed the woman to be able to remarry uh, and, and not have a stigma attached to her because everybody would know what the uncleanness was. I mean, you had to say, this is why I'm divorcing my wife. You know, you, there was no uh, you know, mystery to it. The further prohibition that you not remarry your former spouse after a remarriage to someone else was also intended to cause a pause Women were not property you could merely exchange at will. And so, you know, you just say, oh, I'm going to divorce you, marry you. I don't like you. I'm going to marry you again, you know, and just keep going back and forth. Uh, and so this was a further prohibition. Deuteronomy 24.4 says of the divorced wife after she has been defiled. There's a lot of debate about that. I don't think it means that her remarriage to another man was adultery defiling her. It seems to mean that if the first husband declared her unclean, how could he suddenly want her back? Wouldn't she still be defiled? I mean, if, you're, if you say, well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to marry you because you're unclean, you're a defiled person because you did this, well, then later on you're not going to be able to change your mind and say, oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. You know, you're not really defiled, you're not really unclean, I, sh I shouldn't have divorced you, so let's get remarried. And so, so all of this was just because of what was actually going on in the culture. 
And we can see today, I mean, I'm, I'm not a real student of politics or, or trends in that dimension, but I think the average, you know, most of us can see that things are just getting, they just get more and more lenient as time goes on. It's easier and easier and easier to, uh, to break down moral barriers and, and to just crash through, uh, you know, prohibitions. And uh, it's, we're almost to an anything goes society in terms of, especially in terms of marriage and who can be married and what we recognize as marriage and, and those kinds of things. And so uh, that, this is happening in ancient Israel as well. You know, where it was, and so Moses said, no, we're going to regulate this. Um, sadly, you know, even in the Jewish culture with the law, they couldn't stop divorce. And uh, there's a whole study there about this is what God's law really said and this is what Moses allowed them to do. Anybody who doesn't believe there's a permissive will of God, you know, is just wrong. There's always a perfect will of God and then there is a permissive will because he's dealing with the hardness of our hearts so often. Now, the Lord's complete commentary on this, on what he said in Matthew 5, is, not, is in Matthew 19. It's in verses 4 through 9. Let me read those to you, and then we'll continue our comments. <clears throat> he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who made them, referring to the Father, at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. By the way, let me just mention this. Having sex with somebody doesn't make you one flesh. Marriage is a one flesh relationship. Sex is something uh, that, you know, a lot of people think, well, if you have sex, you're, you're somehow, you know, married in God's eyes or you've become one flesh. That's not it. Marriage is what makes a person, uh, two people, one flesh. It's the spiritual union. So then they are no longer two, but one. So they said to him, why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And, and see, so this is what's interesting even about life and giving counsel to people. Or to, you say something to try and deal with the hardness of people's hearts and then they say, well, you commanded us to do it. You know, we, we, you're the one that said to go ahead and give a certificate of divorce. And so Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Whoever marries her is, who is divorced commits adultery. Now Jesus said both in Matthew 5 and here in chapter 19 that the woman who remarries after a Deuteronomy divorce commits adultery as does her new husband. He was stating with absolute authority that the past leniency on divorce which was allowed by Moses was now being discontinued. He was just saying, that's over now. We're not, we're not doing the Deuteronomy thing anymore. We're going back to the beginning. And so forget the certificate of divorce. Let's go back to the original intent of marriage. Henceforth, there's only one valid grounds for divorce, and that's adultery. The person was divorced for any other reason and remarried, he was guilty of adultery. As an aside to the subject matter for just a moment, it's remarkable, uh, not to us, because we realize that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the triune God, but Jesus in their culture is saying, I'm telling you that I'm setting aside part of the law of Moses and speaking with authority over all of the law of God and telling you the way things really are. <laughs> it's pretty, no wonder people marveled when he talked. And, and, and the religious leaders ground their teeth when he talked because no one ever spoke like that 
You know, no, I mean, it'd be like me getting up on Sunday morning and say, well, you know, the Bible says this, but I'm going to tell you what is really going on. You know, well, you, that kind of a person is a false teacher or a cult leader. And uh, Jesus was just saying, no, we're going to go back to the beginning. But at least he had a reference. Is we're going to go back to the beginning. I'm canceling out Deuteronomy 24 as a rule and getting back to, to our original intent. Now, the real intent of these verses in the Sermon on the Mount is then to return us to a pure and original interpretation and obedience to God's law and to marriage. And that's a good encouragement for us as a church in the 21st century as the culture continues to pound on marriage and tear it apart. We want to not deal with it. We want to keep going back to Genesis to God's original intent for marriage. We want to argue about marriage, talk about marriage, teach about marriage from that not from what our culture has done to it or what our legal system has done to it. <clears throat> we live within our culture and legal system. And we have to deal with those things, but we want to go back to Gen Genesis. The model is Genesis. Marriage is to be one man to one woman uh, to last a lifetime. Adultery is the only cause Jesus gave for divorce. Now, he was talking about physical adultery, not lust or pornography. I only mention this because people are trying to expand. They're always, because of the hardness of our hearts, we're always trying to expand the reasons for divorce and, and justify the reasons for divorce. And uh, a lot of people today are saying, well, you know, my husband's involved in pornography, therefore he's committing adultery. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman to lust, you know, so therefore I have the grounds for it. Now, Sadly for gals, uh, that's not true. It's physical adultery. However, obviously, those things are destroying marriages. I mean, I, as a pastor, I can only convince women for so long to stay in those kinds of marriages where their husbands are, you know, addicted to pornography, visiting gentlemen's clubs and things like that, you know, having the Playboy channel come in. Uh, I mean, I can only tell them so much to hang in there and then they just give up and they, they leave. And we've had a number of cases like that, unfortunately. So, so even though, I mean, don't, uh, no one should leave here thinking, oh man, I'm clean, you know, as long as I don't commit physical adultery, I can do whatever I want. That gets you back into the previous verses we just looked at where Jesus said, hey, forget that. Uh, so, but we are talking about physical adultery. Um, I want to add that adultery is only the grounds for divorce. The offended party can choose to forgive and to remain married, but he or she is also free to choose to divorce. So this is an important point too. Jesus said, stay married unless there's been physical adultery. If there has been, the offended party has the right to divorce. By implication, they have the right to forgive and reconcile. Now, so they can do either. People come in, they say, you know, I always ask them, has your husband, has your wife committed adultery? If the answer is yes, then I tell them, you have the freedom to reconcile, you have the freedom to divorce, that decision is yours. Neither one of those decisions is more spiritual than the other. We normally think immediately that it's more spiritual to remain married because God hates divorce and all of these kinds of things. But if Jesus gives you freedom, in an area, if he says you can get divorced for this cause, then you can. Uh, I mean, it's just as simple as that. You don't have to, but you can. And so, and I've seen plenty of marriages over the years go either way. I know a lot of gals and guys who have forgiven their spouse, and I've unfortunately a lot of them don't. Uh, you know, and the marriages break up, and so it's 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 it can go either way. So don't. 
I only mention that because Christians, divorce is bad enough, we don't need to pile it on. You know, we, we don't need to dogpile on people. And when we tell people, sure, your, your spouse committed adultery, but you really should forgive them, I mean, and go on with them, that's their decision. And if they decide not to, there's nothing unspiritual about that. There's nothing second class about that. Uh, you know, it, because Jesus gave us that freedom. So, so be careful about those things. Thus, we talk about whether or not divorce is biblical. So when people come in and they're looking for counsel or looking to get remarried usually, we explore their past and, and we try and find out if their previous divorce was biblical. Just because God hates divorce, it doesn't mean it's always wrong. God says of Himself that He divorces Israel. Uh, he's going to remarry them, but he's, He divorced them because of their spiritual adultery. So divorce on the grounds of physical adultery is scriptural and it's biblical. If you are divorced and it was biblical, you're biblically free to remarry. Uh, by biblically, I mean you can do whatever you want, but from God's point of view, He says, okay, you know, you're free spiritually to remarry. Only it must be in the Lord to another believer of the opposite sex. I have to add that anymore. You have to be clear anymore about these things. The Apostle Paul would come a little later and add something else to our understanding of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And he does something similar to what Jesus did. Uh, you know, he says, I forget the exact language, but basically he says, I'm telling you this, not the Lord. In other words, this is a further direct revelation by the Holy Spirit on the subject of marriage and divorce. And what he tells us uh, by presenting several scenarios is, for example, let's say you're saved while married to an unbeliever. The question is, should you get a divorce so that you're not unequally yoked with an unbeliever? Paul says, no. If the unbeliever is pleased to remain married to you, then you are to stay married. What if they abandon you? What if they divorce you? Then he says you're no longer obligated to that marriage. You're free to divorce and, remarriage, uh, and remarry. So let's, you know, let's say you're married to a, a, an unbeliever. You become saved. Your unbelieving spouse says, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to divorce you. There's no adultery. They just divorce you. You're still free to remarry because you've been abandoned by your unbelieving spouse. So now, marriage and divorce and remarriage are simple on paper. I mean, that, the, all those things are very simple concepts. You're to get married and stay married for life. You can remarry if your spouse dies. Physical adultery shatters a marriage. The offended party may divorce or they may choose not to divorce. They are free and neither option is more spiritual. And if you're abandoned or divorced by an unbelieving spouse, that ends the marriage and you're free to remarry. Within those simple parameters, there are tons of personal variables. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of different things that happen that people do to one another or present to one another. Odd and unusual cases, uh, unique cases. Uh, through study and prayer and with good counsel, the Lord's will for your shattered marriage can be discerned. Uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes there are... It's, Moses was dealing with the hardness of hearts. Oftentimes we are either dealing with that or just the, the convoluted complexities of life. Uh, in some cases, you know, like we've said, well, if you're abandoned or divorced by an unbeliever, well, what if your spouse claims to be a believer? Then what do you do? You know, well, some churches would go on record as 
declaring them unbelievers because they're acting unbiblically. That gives you some kind of legal right, I guess, you know, on paper to, to read. But I'm uncomfortable declaring people unbelievers. I don't know that I have that power, you know. Suddenly, I, I mean, I don't want anybody coming to me because I'm in sin and saying, well, you're not a believer because you've said, how much can you sin and not be, a, you know, that gets into an eternal security issue. I mean, that touches your whole theology. So I'm not, and I don't think Jesus ever intended, we'll, you know, at, at some point we'll study church discipline. I don't think Jesus ever intends us to declare that people are not saved. He just gives us the freedom to tell other people what their sin is. Uh, So, if your divorce was unbiblical, then we usually do a little exploring to see exactly what condition all parties are in. And we ask a number of questions and we deal with all of those things. uh, And ultimately, we look at the spirit of the law, what Jesus is trying to get across, and the spirit of Jesus and his mercy where he really, not that anyone is innocent, but in some cases there is an innocent party and God doesn't hold the innocent party responsible for the actions of guilty parties. And so sometimes we have to make a spiritual determination based on the best facts that we have and give quote-unquote permission for people to be remarried. Uh, And uh, it's... It's a, it's a sad and tragic part of the Christian experience, really. Divorce hurts, but Jesus heals. Take that with you and pray it through. Amen.